You imagine these critters going through everything. You open your dresser drawer up and it's full of locusts. You go into your bed at night, it's full of locusts. You go and open the kitchen cupboards and there's Bob and Fred locust eating your cornflakes. Here it comes a brand new day, but I don't know what will come my way. Rise or fall, your love will see me through it all. Opportunity and challenge like your word directs me to what's right and spurs me on right through the fight with the promise of new life. Good evening, my name is John and you're listening to A Word with God and I'd encourage you to open your Bibles to Joel. Joel, yes. Joel. Joel, yes. I guess, right? Now, what, yeah. does, Joel, what, does Joel mean something? I'm guessing it means something with God in it, right? The L part? Well, you're going to listen to the message tonight. Ah, uh, It yes. will tell you exactly. I don't want it like bated breath. I don't want to take that away. So you got to listen really closely. Now, it's good to have you back. You had a stand-in last week. <laughs> Thank you. And I heard she did fantastic. Yes, she did. And I think we should have her do it again sometime. Yes, Rebecca. Not only not only can she do sound and the recording side, but she can also talk into the microphone all by herself. Yes, and do a very good job. Yeah, next time we'll have her preaching, too. Uh, so, so last week uh, we we started with Joel, which is yes, great. Yes, and and this is it's interesting because when it comes to prophecy, and when we're looking at this particular type of prophet, I find that I get uh, I don't know what you call it, but biblical whiplash. I yeah, guess I know right because it's you know things things happened right there on the spot. Some things were meant for right after that. Some things are meant for mm-hmm. t- today. Yeah. Some things are meant for the future of yeah. you know from even us what we're dealing yeah. with right now. Yeah. So it's sort of hard to keep up with it mm-hmm. a bit. And I think that one of the things this shows us is um, God's a lot smarter than us. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, where this breaks my noodle yeah. in terms of thinking about this, God, of course, knows what he's doing. Yeah. I had a prof in, in college that talked to it, but he, he called them touchdowns. And so okay. think of a tornado, how a tornado touches down, jumps, comes down again, mm. a few blocks or half a mile away, bounces up, comes in. So, so they're, you're, you're, Exactly right. These things, there was something exactly in that day. Then sometimes there was something following within a few years. And then in, in Lot and Joel, we have Acts coming right. coming into play. And then some things at the end of time. Well, and, and the specific that came to them, like right there on the spot, uh, were locusts. Yeah. Right? So they had they had this infestation came along. And from what it sounds like, Locusts are worse than goats and sheep and all these kind of things. So now the question is, why why does God take away from people in general? And I know that's sort of a, a really broad question that we could yeah. kind of get into. But, yeah. you know, in this particular case, there was a purpose behind it. And yeah. and for people who might be listening, who, who are going mm-hmm. through a time mm-hmm. right now or have just gone through a time yeah. like that, what yeah. what is there to learn from it? Well, we can also bounce off of Naomi from mm. Ruth that we just finished. Yep. And as we take James into this, James says that God only gives good gifts, that only good things come from the hand of God. God never introduces evil or sin or or punishment in that sense of um, 
it, it's, it's he allows those things into our life. The enemy wants to destroy you. God wants to use it to turn right. you back to him. And so that's the big thing, John. Get your attention, rattle a cage, point to what it is that you should be focusing on, and then God can enter in and make those changes in your life he wants. You know, and, and it's it's interesting because, you know, I, I think of times where people talk about money that they have lost or mm-hmm. um, a property that they have lost. And, and ultimately, you know, God, I think I, I, I normally think of money as monopoly money. when Like when God thinks of money, I think of it as sort of as like monopoly money when I'm yeah. playing. You know, yeah. oh, great, we crumpled up that bill and we burned it on fire. Who cares? It's monopoly mm-hmm. money. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Really what God's caring about here is our heart and, yeah. and, and helping others mm-hmm. to get to him as well. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into the message and uh, we'll learn about Joel and, uh, and, what, and what God has in store for us and what he had in store for them. Chapter 2 devastation of the day of the Lord. We first see the judgment of God, verses 1 to 6. He starts in this image of these locusts and the reality of an invading army. Blow a trump. First trumpet that is blown in the camp means that there's a warning that something devastating is coming. Blow a trumpet in Zion. When you see Zion, that just means Jerusalem. And sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble. Tremble. Why? Why is the alarm being blown? For the day of the Lord is coming. The day of the Lord as first seen with the locusts. The day of the Lord as secondly seen in the coming of Nebuchadnezzar. And the final battle where the nation of Israel will be surrounded. The day of the Lord is coming and it is surely near. It's closer than you think. A day like the swarming locusts, a day like the invading army of Nebuchadnezzar, a day where Israel will be surrounded. Verse 2, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. Look at the pictures, the clouds of locusts that come up. And it looks like there's like a, you know how rain has that curtain and you can see the rain coming across the field? The locusts are coming in like that. In fact, some of those pictures up there, the locusts are like a black cloud. And they blot out the sun and they blot out the stars and they keep on coming and nothing stops them. As the dawn is spread over the mountain, it's the idea of something suddenly that happens. So there's a great and mighty people. He calls the locusts that great and mighty people. He calls Nebuchadnezzar that. There has never been anything like it, nor will there be anything after it. To the years of many generations, a fire consumes before them, and behind them a flame burns. He gives this picture. It's like the Garden of Eden is spread out, and as the locusts go over this land that is green and fertile, and there's fruit hanging on the trees, and it's a place of, of sustenance, and these locusts pass over, it, it's just like desolate behind it, a desolate wilderness behind them, and nothing at all escapes them. Just like these locusts, just like the coming army. Their appearance is like the appearance. In fact, in some cultures, the word for locust means little horse. Ever owned a horse? They eat a lot. They keep on eating, and even if they're doing nothing, they keep eating more and more and more. 
Like a war horse, so they run. With noises of chariots, they leap on top of the mountains like crackling of flames of fire consuming the stubble like a mighty people arranged for battle. We start to get some more, like some, some prophetic pictures of armies coming in. Before them, the people are in anguish and all faces turn pale. The question is like, what's going to happen to us? What's going to happen to us? And then we see the similarity of these locusts to warriors, verses 7 to 10. They, that's the locusts, run like mighty men. They climb the wall like soldiers. They, they march in line. They don't deviate. From, and locusts do that. They just march right through. They don't go around things. They don't decide, oh, let's leave Bob's field. He's kind of a nice guy. We'll go around Bob's field. No, they just march, and they're going to take down what's ever in front of them. They do not crowd each other. They march everyone in his path. They burst through the defenses. They do not break ranks. They rush on the city. They run on the wall. They cl- Imagine these critters going through everything. You open your dresser drawer up and it's full of locusts. You go into your bed at night. It's full of locusts. You go and open the kitchen cupboards and there's Bob and Fred locusts eating your cornflakes. It's just like nothing, you know, it's just like nothing they've ever seen. Before them, the earth quakes, the heavens tremble, the sun, the moon grows dark, the stars lose their brightness. Again, that picture of this locust overhead. And then the response to the coming battle. Call on the Lord for mercy, verses, verse 11. God is going to use this invading army to accomplish his purpose, just like he did with the locust, just like he did with Nebuchadnezzar. The Lord utters his voice before his army. They're just tools in his hand. Surely his camp is very great, for strong is he who carries out his word. And then this question, the day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome. Who can endure it? Who can stand before it? I'm going to fast forward on you to Revelation chapter 14. Then I look and behold a white cloud, and sitting on that cloud is one like the Son of Man having a golden crown on his head and a sharp sickle in his hand. And another angel came out of the temple, crying out with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Put in your sickle and reap, for the hour to reap has come, because the harvest of the earth is ripe. Then he who sat on the cloud swung his sickle over the earth, and the earth was reaped. Very similar. Verse 12, yet even now declares Yahweh, return to me. What can I do in this sight of this calamity? What can I do when my world is falling apart? What can I do when my family is falling apart? My marriage is falling apart. My relationships at work are falling apart. Where can I go? What can I do? Yet even now declares the Lord, return to me. With all of your heart. Even as Israel faced Babylon, even as Israel will face her enemies in the last days, surrounded, there is only one place to go. And there's only one place to go for you in your day and in your need and in your time. And with fasting and weeping and mourning, rend your heart and not your garments. Okay, they had this thing. It's like if I wanted to look really religious and I was going down the street and I went, oh, I'm a sinner. They gripped their outer cloak 
and kind of like in front of it, see my cloak, see how I ripped it, see it's really ripped, I really mean it. And God's saying, forget your cloak, forget the show. I'm interested in your heart. What's going on in your heart of hearts? Is it hard? Is it calloused? Are you just like letting the things of life beat on you, but you're stubborn and you're not going to turn your neck and you're going to keep on going in your own direction? Or are you going to rip your heart? Are you going to rend your heart and say, I, it is a now appeared to me that I am in the hands of Almighty God and I must obey Him. I must come to Him. I need repentance. I don't need to shake my fist at Him. I need to bow before Him in repentance. Amen. And that is the day that He is describing when all men will do that. Now return to the Lord your God for He is gracious. This is the heart of God. God is not an angry God. Not today. Not now. There is a day of judgment. There is a day of justification when you will pay for your sin or Jesus will have paid for it. But that day is not today. This is the heart of God. He is gracious and compassionate. Slow to anger. Abundant in loving kindness and relenting of doesn't mean that he is relenting that he did evil, it means he's taking pity on those who evil has come up. Do you have things going on in your life? Have you suffered loss? Have you gone through devastating things? Have things happened in your life and you shake your head and you go, like, does anybody see what's happening to me? Does anybody know what's going on around me? God sees what you are going through. He knows what you are going through. He is compassionate towards you. His heart yearns for you. His desire is to work in you and through you and to help you to overcome and to live through what is coming your way today. Now return to the Lord your God. For He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness, pitying those who experience evil, who knows whether he will not turn and have compassion. That's what the word relent means there. It has nothing to do with God saying, oh, I made a mistake. That's not what it's saying. It means he's having compassion and leave a blessing behind him. Even a grain offering. You, you wonder what you're going to worship God with, he's saying to his people. The only one who can put the accoutrements of worship in your hand is God. Hey, Stan. Yeah? Question for you. Where do you go to church on, say, a Sunday morning? I, I go to 112 Spadina Road West. John's the same place you go. I'm just checking. Just have you never seen me there? I have seen you there, but normally like, you're speaking I'm the guy the up front speaking. I know. You did a great job of it, too. So 112 Spadina Road West, and it's Evangel. Community Church. Evangel Community Church, right close to uh, St. Mary's. It's fairly close to there. Kitchener, Ontario. And we have a national repentance spoken about next in 15 to 17. And they proclaim a fast. Everyone gathers. Everyone gets together. And here's what they're saying. Here's what they're told they should be saying anyway. 
And let them say, spare your people, O God. That's a national voice. Sometimes we need to do that as a church. Sometimes as a church, we're off track. We get lost. Ever gotten lost in life? Woken up one morning going, oh, how did I get here? How did I ever get into this predicament? Spare your people, O Lord, and do not make your inheritance a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they, among the people, say, where is their God? Even though they may say, where is your God? You know that your God is present with you through every saint. Verses 18 to 24, here's God's heart. Here's a little bit more insight into the heart of God. Then the Lord, then Yahweh, will be zealous for his land. He will have pity on his people. Yahweh will answer and say to his people, Behold, I'm going to send you grain and new wine and oil, and you will be satisfied in full with them. There's going to be no lack. And I will never again make you a reproach among the nations. There's a picture of restoration and provision. Has it happened yet? No, not the ultimate fulfillment. There's partial fulfillment of that. Verse 20, but I will remove the northern army far from you. Nebuchadnezzar's army didn't get removed. It came in, took everything out, and took the people away. He's speaking about the future time now when the nations of the earth will surround Israel, and I will drive it into a parched and desolate land, and its vanguard into the eastern sea, its rear guard into the western sea, its stench will arise. It's going to be an army that's defeated, that's dead. Its foul smell will come up, for it has done great things. And this hasn't happened yet. Verse 21, Do not fear, O land. Rejoice, be glad, for the Lord, for Yahweh, has done great things. Do not fear, beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness have turned green, for the tree has borne fruit, the fig tree, the vine have yielded in full. Not yet. More and more land is being reclaimed in Israel. More and more irrigation. But this is talking of a day when everything will produce. This is talking of a day when there's plenty. When things are overflowing. In fact, they're even telling us now the rainfall is increasing. Still places where it's, it's pretty desolate, but it's improving. Verse 23, So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the Lord your God, for He has given you the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you the rain, the early and latter rain as before. God is going to bring provision. Verse 24. Here's more future restoration. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. Vats will overflow with wine and oil. I will make up for you the years that the swarming locusts had eaten. This thing of the locusts, it looks terrible now. It looks like it's going to, but you'll get through this. In fact, you're going to go through greater things. You're going to go through the armies of Babylon. You're going to go through armies of the last days. Your God is with you. He will provide for you. You will get through this. Again, fulfilled in part, but not completely filled. We're still waiting. One of the favorite phrases when you're reading prophetic scriptures is, now but not yet. 
it looks like it's being fulfilled. It's not quite all being fulfilled now, but not yet. And we wait for a day when God will fulfill everything. We long for that day. How many of us have things in our life that we long for the day when sin will no longer plague us, when we're no longer drawn down into the depths? Even though we have the new nature, even though we have the nature of Christ in us as his followers, it talks about two natures at war. That war will be finally, totally over. And we will be freed. We see the day when the Spirit of God is given. This is the time that we read in Acts chapter 2. Except there'll come a time when everyone is affected by the Spirit of the living God will be poured out in every person. Not a single person will be uh, lacking in the power of the Holy Spirit in their life. It looked like it. Looked like it in Acts. It was a foretaste. It was a forerunner. It was a picture of what it's going to be like in those last days when the Enemies of God are defeated and His Spirit is poured on the face of the then earth and all men and women will be under His reign and rule and receive His Spirit. Even so, Lord Jesus, come. The day of the Lord is declared. I will display wonders in the sky. What's it going to look like? How are we going to know that day? I will display wonders in the sky on the earth, blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon into red before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and it will come about that whoever calls on the name of Yahweh will be delivered. For on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there will be those who escape as the Lord has said even among the survivors whom the Lord has called. Just read Revelation chapter 12. 17. It's an exact picture of what Joel has prophesied here. And then there's this nations, the nations that come against him, verses 1 to 8 of chapter 3. They will be judged. They will fall under the judgment of Almighty God. In fact, God actually challenges them. He's like, in those days, men and women will be so arrogant that they think they can take God on. And he says, like, okay, Turn your plowshares into swords. Take your pruning hooks. Make spears. If you think you're... Come. Come and do battle. And come up to the Valley of Jehoshaphat. Valley of Jehoshaphat means Valley of Judgment. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, tread, for the wine press is full. The vats overflow with their wickedness. And Revelation 14, the rest of it that I didn't read, it fills that all out. So the angel swung his sickle to the earth and gathered the clusters from the vines of the earth and threw them into the great wine press of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trodden outside the city, and blood came out from the winepress up to the horse's bridles for a distance of 200 miles. 200 miles. Well, 
Yahweh judges. That's Revelation chapter 6, Revelation 14. In the end, verse 18, Judah will be blessed. In that day, the mountains will drip with sweet wine. The hills will flow with milk. Milk and honey in the Old Testament is the idea of provision, sustenance. And, and, and a spring will go out from the house of the Lord. And Jerusalem, verse 20, but Judah will be inhabited forever. Jerusalem for all generations, and I will avenge their blood, says the Lord. Well, here. Let's gather five quick things out of this. Five things. Devastating events can come at any time in our lives and we could lose everything. And our country has not gone through that for a long, long time. But it could very easily. It has happened before. It can happen again. Secondly, sometimes they're a part of God's plan for our lives and God uses them for His larger plans. Do not think when devastation comes into your life that God is not there. God is there with you in the middle of it. Thirdly, God's disposition leans towards compassion and forgiveness. Never feel that God is against you. You are in the time of grace. And there is no time, as long as your heart tells you you need Him, as long as you hear His Word and you hear His Spirit and you're responding, it is time. And you can respond. Fourthly, God's judgment of sin is sure, it's complete, and it's holy. For He is a holy God. And fifthly, no matter what turn of events come your way, as a follower of Jesus, God's ultimate for you is blessing and His presence is with you. Well, thanks for joining us this evening. Again, we're going to continue going through prophets. Yes. Right? It's a series pretty much that we're doing right now, minor prophets. Yeah, about and going... four or five we're going to knock off right now. Uh, our goal is to teach the whole Word of God over our lifetime in the church. And so uh, these are some of the minor prophets we're hanging into right now. Yeah, so we're getting through we some go. of the books of the Bible, which is yes. good. Well, so we uh, look forward to you joining us next week as well. And remember, don't end your day without a word with God. <laughs>